Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today's guest is a current Southeast Melbourne Phoenix NBL player. He's played over 400 games in the NBL. He's won multiple championships. He's been an Olympian for Australia, obviously, and that is Adam Gibson. Um, Gibbo was kind enough to join us today to chat about um, a, a number of different things, particularly how this year has gone so far, and, um, and and we just go into a bit of detail about his career so far, um, some things that he's taken away as for, from being a professional athlete, some of the values that he thinks are important um, to be successful in the league, um, how he deals with adversity. Uh, we talk about a number of different things along the lines of his, his favorite players that he's played with as teammates, his favorite coach, um, and then also how he's dealt with the struggles of 2020 and obviously not being able to play with the season being pushed out and whatnot. So it was a fun episode. Um, thanks to Gibbo for coming on the show. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please do take a screenshot of the show, post it up on Instagram story for me, tag myself, Tag Gibbo, we'd love to hear some feedback from today's episode and we hope you enjoy the show. Gibbo, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on. I appreciate it, mate. I've, uh, I've seen a few of them and uh, obviously you're big in that world, so um, uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Well, before I click record, we've just been talking about your own podcast or the podcast you're running at the moment and how much you're enjoying it. You've just been telling me how you think you're probably the best best podcaster in the country at the moment, so I expect good good things from this interview. You'd hope I'd know a little bit about, you know, answering back good questions, not, no short answers, but I think I've done 25, which is a lot shorter than what you've done. But um, yeah, it's been fun, man. It's a lot of fun just talking and a lot of my guests have been past teammates or yeah. you know, guys I've played with and just hearing their stories again and catching up with them from not playing with them for years, is, that's, that's probably been the best part I've found. Yeah, and we were just talking about how a lot of the time the conversations are best when it is just a, a an actual chat and a conversation. But aside from the fact that, you know, obviously you're doing it for the podcast, has there been like certain things that you've kind of picked up when you're talking with these guests where, like you said, you're just speaking about memories and stuff like that, but almost things that you you probably wouldn't usually, that wouldn't come up in conversation with guys that you see all the time? Yeah, for sure. And some like, you know, guys that I think I know, and then they tell me certain parts about their life or how they got to where they are. I'm like, well, I didn't know that. Like Mitch McCarron, for example, yeah. superstar from Melbourne United. Like I would have assumed, not knowing his background and knowing him as a child, that you know he's had it fairly easy. Like you know, done great things in basketball, but he was not picked in the AAS team. He barely got a scholarship. Someone dropped out. That's how he went there. Yeah, kind of came to Cairns and barely didn't play a heap. Um, but I, I would not have known that unless he told me kind of how hard it was for him to make teams and to become a pro basketballer. So, yeah, finding out stuff like that I find really valuable. And uh, most of my guests have been basketballers that I play against. So yeah. just a better understanding. And I feel like I've got, you know, 20 new kind of better mates just from doing these podcasts. Yeah, well, when you're only seeing each other on the court, um, probably things change a little bit when it's if, you, if you're in the Australian squad or whatever and you get to know people better. But outside of that, you're really only coming up against them once you're on the court and fair to say most of the time it's not exactly uh, a catch up to make friends when you're on the court so man 2020 obviously it's been pretty fucked for for everybody um and but particularly for when you look at professional sport obviously the whole year's been thrown off pretty much in every sport across the whole entire globe um i was wondering earlier like what it's like for you as someone who's been in the nbl for for a long time being a professional basketballer for so long like 
this year being completely thrown off, how you think it's affected you compared to maybe someone who's just coming into the league and they're trying to break their way in or maybe they've only had one or two years as a professional. What do you think are the differences are with the, with the challenges between the two, two different types of players? Yeah, obviously been a lot older. Like I've, I've seen the highs and lows of the NBL my whole career. You know, I was, I was in for three years. My team in Brisbane folded. Yeah. In Melbourne, that team folded. Moved to Gold Coast, that team folded. So 10 of my kind of 15 years have been a real roller coaster. Mm. Um, the NBL finally started to pick back up with Larry Kessman taking over for five years. And now we're hit with this again. So I'm hoping that it kind of goes back to as good as can be and back to the level it was. But yeah, I think just being through those teams folding in the past and obviously like, like yeah, being older, um, kind of just appreciate, appreciating, I guess, the position we are in as basketball. It's like we've, we've been in the off season. Um, it hasn't affected us as much as I think other sports and other businesses. So yeah, um, yeah I mean, we've, me and Mitch obviously live together. We've found ways to keep busy and, and stay yeah. somewhat sane, I guess, um, which has been a massive help just having him around the house. But I, I'd imagine for young kids, I think, I think what's going to affect people is once they come out of this, have they been training and doing as much as they can yeah. to be ready for when the season comes around? I think it's going to be the real, real factor. Left to their own devices, yeah. Do you think, you know, um, you have been in the league for so long and season after season, do you reckon like this year of, of not putting so much, I guess, pressure on the body has actually helped you? It has. Um, so I've had some kind of ongoing calf issues for the last yeah. probably five years and... Um, yeah, I missed a bunch of games last season with the Phoenix preseason doing some MMA and whatever, like Carbs kind of went in the preseason and then on and off. And I think I missed six games after not missing any of the year before. So we've been doing a lot this off season uh, for my Carbs. So, you know, I was, it was once his second kind of wave hit, I was like, well, I've got another two months now to, to get fitter and get the Carbs right. So it has been somewhat of a blessing. Um, obviously we've been stuck inside all day, but, um, yeah. yeah, for me to be able to go and get some injections and try new things and uh, really work out what's going on with the calves has been awesome. And um, mm. like I said, it's given me another two or three months now to to really get fit and healthy and hopefully be uh, right by the season start. Yeah, and do you reckon the motivation's higher or lower coming into to games again? Are you well and truly ready to just get back on on with it and yeah, start the season? High, I think higher because everyone just wants to play. You know, we've been yeah. stuck inside kind of since March. Uh, we've been able to train a little bit, but I think everyone's just so eager to get back out there. So sick of um, playing against the same guys. Sick of seeing the same guys, like limited practice. Um, sick of so scoring on Creaky every session. Man, like just seeing him every day. Like I want to see, I want to beat up on someone else. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think everyone will be happy to get the season started and just play games again. Um, like mm. I said, we've been stuck inside. It's been awesome having the NBA on to watch it's some yeah. basketball, but. Yep. Um, instead of just training against two or three guys at practice, to actually get, get our season going again would be a lot of fun. What's that looking like? Because um, I think the season, what usually starts in October, so roughly a few weeks from now, usually starts then. So what, what's the, when's the start date? Has there been anything confirmed? Yeah, so originally it was pushed back to December 3rd, two months later, and obviously Melbourne's, you know, Victoria is what it is, and it's put a halt to everything. So I think um, a, a soft date is mid to late January, maybe early Feb um, as a new start date. Okay. So that's, what, four four months later than what it normally would be, which is a long time. Um, you know, obviously a lot of guys have lost the chance to go and make more money elsewhere overseas and it's going to affect next season as well. But at least there's a soft date that we can kind of aim towards and plan and prepare for. But yeah, it, it is a long time. Yeah, well, you mentioned plan and prepare. Like how, how does that look like 
for the for the Phoenix. Like obviously it's hard for the for the bus for the actual coach, the basketball coach, but also S and C guys as well to look at how to structure the year when you kind of like usually you know the dates that you're preparing for. You can you can periodize your training to kind of come into the to round one at kind of peak physical physical condition. So what's that been like? And then mentally as well. Like obviously you don't want to spend twelve months just fucking training in preseason with no games in sight. So how how have you guys kind of done that? We, we're kind of lucky at our club. We've got like Eric Hollingsworth, who's done a lot with, you know, the Australian um, um, athletics team and all that stuff. He's got a he's so smart plan in place. Obviously, it's been hard because we haven't been able to practice. We've been in lockdown. We're allowed mm. three days. Now we're allowed four. Yeah. Um, for the coach, we've had four of us, now five. A new guy just joined this week. But we can't fly guys in. Um, mm. That's been the biggest battle. We haven't been able to have 10 guys of our own gel where you look at Brisbane, you look at probably Perth, like these guys have had their full squads going now. So yep. they are at an advantage team-wise and chemistry-wise. You know, when you put a new team together with five new guys, that's where you need to bond and play together and learn each other's strengths and weaknesses. So that's been the hardest part, I think, is not having our guys here and then the restrictions we have at practice. Like one guy and one coach at a hoop for majority of the time. Um, you mentioned it's a long time. Um, we, like I said, we've got um, pretty smart people in those positions. So we've been going hard now for two weeks. This next week will be a lighter week, but there are plans in place to, you know, get us to a certain level, plateau a little bit, go again, so that when this certain date hits, we'll be ready to roll. But yeah, it's definitely been challenging, and just not having our team around. We can't yeah. go and hang out and meet new people and go to the park or go out for a beer or do anything like that because we're stuck yeah. inside. What what's um obviously season being pushed back a fair way in terms of being able to play preseason games and stuff like that. I'm assuming that'll be pushed back to at least twenty twenty one as well. Like is there a potential I'm assuming United are training four days a week as well. So is there potential for you guys to be able to do some like practice matches against each other considering you're both, I guess, like in your own little bubble to play against each other oh. to get some form of game fitness? Yeah, I would hope so. Nothing like that has been talked about because it's still so far away. Like mm. I think when the new season date kind of got set. I think our pre preseason is now going to start in November um, <laughs> as an official kind of start date. Something so, to look forward to. Something to look forward to is yeah. that's, that's when we start. Like we, we're glad as players in Melbourne now to go and practice four days a week because it gets us out of the house for a few hours. Um, so n- nothing's been talked about, but I've got no doubt that if we can't leave Melbourne, we'll try and play some, some pickup games against them. Whether there's some other guys that are locally here in Melbourne that play basketball that we can put some games together against. Um, we, we really just don't know. It's all based around this COVID and when the rules are going to change and when we can actually kind of live a normal life. But if that's the case, I would assume the NBL will allow us to join together as two teams and play some games so it, it helps us. Because right now we're at a, a fair disadvantage to the rest of the NBL. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. What's, um, how have you managed to stay motivated? Like, have your motivation levels been quite good? Have you kind of go, gone through some ebbs and flows with... Obviously, it's 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 fucking hard. It's hard enough to go out and just train at the moment, and just and just every day go out and and do regular workouts. Considering you know, there's kind of you can't go to the gym and you're doing the same shit each day. But yeah, how have you found it? Have you had periods where you kind of just can't be fucked, or have you been? It has been big time. It's been the biggest roller coaster. Like when it first hit, and living with Mitch, who's super motivated. Like I've never seen someone work as hard as he does. The first kind of three, four weeks was unreal. Like we were out the back, um, his sister was here, so we were doing home workouts. Now you did a live one with him and yeah. that was awesome. Like, all right, this is our situation. 
went at it, um, yep. kind of plateaued a bit and kind of a couple of weeks there, I was like, man, I just didn't want to get out of bed. Like, couldn't be bothered. It's cold outside. Like, we've got four more months of this. So, you know, take off a couple of weeks and just do actually live like a, a slob pretty much. Um, and then we're, the, it opened up a little bit. So we're allowed to go to practice. Um, that was awesome. Like, that was, yep. you know, hit, kind of hit the restart button, start again. Um, we had like a COVID kind of scare at the club. So we had to shut down for two weeks and full quarantine and get the test. And then the, the new stage four hit. So we've gone from two weeks not leaving the house and now we're in stage four. We can't leave the house. And that was just a real kind of yeah. in, a, in a hole. Like yeah. just mentally, just, yeah, wasn't good. But obviously now we're, we've been able to, um, and again, our club have done an amazing job of exemptions and now we can go back and practice, which has been, you know, back up the roller coaster. But yeah, for a couple of weeks, there was in a real hole. Didn't want to get out of bed, like I said, and it was mm. tough. Um, even for pro athletes, just to keep that going for so long, not knowing when the end's going to be, is, is super. Was super hard, and I can only imagine other people in other businesses and in, in Melbourne that you know lost their jobs, don't get paid, businesses are shutting down. Like I can only imagine what it's been like for them. Yeah, it's funny. It, like it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just about to say, you know, you talk to a lot of people who, even when you when you speak of guys like um, like AFL players at the moment, they're obviously being in their little bubble and they've still been able to somewhat play their full season. Um, and you talk to people and they go, oh, well, it must be, you know, the professional athletes, they only play sport anyway. Like, it's not like that much has been taken away. But when you look at you guys, like, there's literally no difference between, you know, me not being able to go to work and you not being able to go to practice. Like, it's your job, it's your whole livelihood. It's not like outside of that you're going and, and doing a bunch of other shit like that's your day-to-day job so i think that's one perspective which people probably don't really consider when they look at the the athletes that have been stuck out of out of their game it's like the whole livelihood is is now gone no question and pay like 50 percent pay cuts as well yeah. like a lot of guys have lost a lot of money uh, for this season upcoming and who knows how that continues to next season um so there's definitely that side talk about pro athletes i interviewed um hugh greenwood from the gold coast suns and i watched that one yeah he lives, Queen- he lives in queensland he's been able to play football but everyone else in queensland can go out and about and, and live a normal life because he plays pro sport because he plays with the afl they've had set rules where he can only go to the shop once he can, he can go mm. to get coffee and come back he can't have people at his house because he plays afl and even though he lives in queensland in a safe place he's not allowed to do that so um, yeah, people probably think these guys can still go and live a normal life because they don't live in Melbourne. But if they play pro sport, if they play for the AFL, they still can't go and do that. So it, it's not easy. Um, obviously, we, we do play a great sport and have a, a really good life. But um, it's yeah, we're feeling it just as much as everyone else. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned um, at the start, you obviously throughout your career, you've played with a number of different teams. And um, you mentioned obviously Brisbane and then the the Dragons as well had some really good success at both clubs. And then funnily enough, like they both folded. So, and that was early on in your career. So, I mean, you know, even thinking to myself, like when I was playing footy and basketball, like that's all you think about is a sport. You don't think about anything else. You just think about training, playing, nothing else matters. And there is nothing else to think about. But early on for you, you would have kind of figured out that there's a lot more to sport than just being on court. Like the whole business side of things, um, in the end of the day is, is more important really like plays a bigger role than the actual sport itself. So what type of, like what experience was that like for you coming into the league and then two pretty major things happening, especially with successful clubs? Yeah. Well, my second year we win the championship, one of the best teams to ever play like 21, 22 game win streak. The next year we make the semis and then all of a sudden our team's no longer in the league, our owner bankrupt, whatever. And at that point, three years in still only 20, 
2021. So no clue what's going on in the office or behind the scenes. Mm. Moved to Melbourne, here in Melbourne for one year with the South Dragons. We win it again. Now this team folds. So now I'm starting to think a bit more like what's, and I can guarantee I'm not the one taking all the money. Um, that team folds. So I moved to the Gold Coast and now I'm, I'm kind of, you know, a leader, captain of the, up, up on the Gold Coast and whatever. And that team folds after three years. So now it's like, this is wild. Like, you know, know more about why and what's going on and yeah, yeah. lost money and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, it's, like I said, it's been a rollercoaster career. Um, just highs and lows. Like I kind of wish I was starting now. Well, five years ago when the NBL was on a rise because the opportunities that young kids now have better money, better opportunity to go overseas, playing NBA preseason games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. I, I'm not, I'm, I can't complain about the career I've had, but yeah, certainly you learn more the older you get and to have three teams fold in my first six years was, was pretty eye opening. That's crazy. Did you, did that kind of like, um, I guess, get you to start thinking about diversifying a little bit, like looking more so into the other aspects outside of just the sport, knowing that something so big can just get taken away so quickly. Did that force you then to, to I guess, put some more time into learning more about the business side of, of not only basketball, but just outside of sport as well? Um, a little bit, not as much as I wish I had of. Um, I was still, obviously, you know, six years in, still pretty young in the career. I think I was maybe 24 by then or whatever it was. So I wish I had of, and that's kind of what I started probably doing the last probably two or three years. Yeah. Um, I've said on a podcast before that, you know, when I was 24, I was getting asked, what are you going to do after basketball? What are you and I'm like, I've got no idea. I just want to keep playing basketball for the next 10 years. So yeah. I've been pretty fortunate. And again, like I said, I wish I had of, you know, whether it was some kind of course, I learned more around business or whatever it may be. But that's why I'm starting to do more stuff now. Obviously, you know, 33, close to the end of the career, podcast, stuff with media. NBL have been amazing helping me out with that kind of stuff and some pathways. But um, I, I definitely recommend young kids starting out to, to add a little course. Cole Adams has been amazing with that stuff. He's doing some courses online at Deakin and yeah. um, just little strings to the bow that you never know you may use and you may meet someone along the way that, potentially you can start building up something outside, like you said, um, of business. Creek is amazing at it. Like he's, yeah. one is nonstop, like workout and looking after his body, but he's always, you know, talking to people, meeting people, financial planners, like doing all this stuff, um, which he, he'll be set up if he stops playing basketball now, which I think I've learned a lot of him probably living with him the last year. Yeah, cool. And so last question now, what does it look like after basketball? I still don't know. Like I've got some, things I'm passionate about. I want to stay involved in basketball. Um, you like the, do you like the media side of stuff? Like in terms of the, you know, you're getting into the podcasting and stuff now. So obviously building up your skills with interviewing and, and, and that type of yeah. stuff. Is that something that you enjoy? Yeah, I do. Um, just, uh, I don't know if it's the meeting people, but um, like I've been doing stuff around, like I've been, you know, as stupid as it is, you know, hosting trivia, trivia um, days and stuff for the club. Yeah. Um, all that kind of stuff. I feel like there's an area where I can do that. And I want to be involved in basketball. It's what I've done pretty much half my life. I want to coach or be a coach. Um, and I've talked to the club about that. Um, and there's certain, we're trying to put some plans in place to, to do that. But, you know, there's, there's not many jobs. Assistant coaches, whatever, it doesn't pay well. It's not like the NBA where you've got 10 coaches yeah. who get paid a lot of money. So, um, yeah, doing the podcast, pretend, you know, whether it's commentating um, some role within the NBL or with the club that I'm with, hopefully the Phoenix, 
Um, just I want to stay involved in the game because, like I said, it's I've done it half my life. It's kind of all I've known since school, and um, yeah, obviously super passionate about it. That's awesome. Um, you touched on before about the calves in the past kind of 12 months, I guess, but throughout your career, have you had many, um, I guess, serious injuries or, or setbacks? Calves and ankles. I, I'm, every basketball has probably rolled Standard. ankles. I had, a, yeah. I had a clean out in 2006. My ankles roll now and just bounce back there. There's nothing left in them, but mm. the calves have been the biggest issue. I, I had it back in 2012, the first one, and, you know, learned kind of back then to play through a lot of injuries. And if, I wouldn't change it, but I probably shouldn't have played through some of them, you know, taping them up and just playing through semifinals and stuff like that. And the calves have been the biggest issue um, ongoing. Obviously, when you get older, they're harder to fix. So it's yeah. um, just some plans in place, trying some new things. These injections, um, hydro injections of um, the new thing that I've tried. And, and if that doesn't work, there's some Botox, which probably sounds weird getting Botox in your calves, but that's the next step as well. So this like we said before, the period of having such a long COVID break has allowed me to try these things to try and get them mm. as good as possible. Um, Harley Bennell from Melbourne, Melbourne Dem- Demons did that. He had ongoing issues and he seems to be fine now. So, um, yeah, cars have been the, the biggest thing, touch wood. What's your, like, how do you approach that when you do have a setback? Like, I mean, um, everybody, at, regardless of whether they play professional sport or not, like has setbacks and disappointments. So, I think the um, something that I've particularly learned over the last few years is like the difference in in those who kind of like make the most out of the situation is is kind of like how you respond to it and and what you do or what you focus on straight after and how long you kind of just dwell on the fact that you've got an injury or whether things haven't gone your way. So what's is it? Do you like kind of have a process now or over the years you feel like you've gotten better at dealing with like that type of adversity or even you know I mentioned injuries but even like big losses or disappointments in games and seasons and stuff like that. How do you deal with that? Or what's, do you have a bit of a process that you kind of like to follow? I was, I was thinking about the car thing before, like even during this, cause the COVID things, one thing that the roller coaster, but the cars have been the same. So, I'd, you know, I feel great and I train for a few days or a week or, you know, two weeks. And then all of a sudden some spikes up again. Now it's yeah. like, man, like, are these ever going to get good? And then I have the injections train for a week. Something else doesn't feel good. So the roller coasters of not just COVID, but the calves as well. That's it's been kind of tough, and I don't really speak too much about it. You know, I don't really like to show weakness um, when it comes to that kind of stuff. But um, it, it has been a real grind, and I still don't know if they're going to be good. I, I don't know if these injections are going to work. Um, yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, I definitely learned to like. There's bigger issues in the world. Um, I remember I was playing with Adelaide. We played in Townsville threw a bad pass, cost us a game, like lost two kilos in like three days, which if I look at a Big Mac, I'm putting on weight. So <laughs> to lose a cup, like stress and just like, it, it, that was by far my worst moment in basketball was this one game. And that whole season was shit ass from my point of view and just, yeah, my worst year. But, um, you know, obviously a lot goes on in the world and just realizing that we, we play a game, it is a game, um, you know, not mm. to get too high in wins, too low on losses. Yeah. Um, as long as you do the work, you put in the work, you know you've done all you can and you do things the right way, that's all that, all that really matters. So as far as the wins and losses goes, it's when you get older, I think you, you realise and yeah, uh, probably when you're younger and you miss a shot or whatever, you probably take it to heart, which you probably should, but that just motivates you to, to do more work and get in the gym yeah. and 
put in, shoot more shots or, you know, do more yeah. work to not let that happen again, I think is the biggest thing. It's, it's more a motivation of, I don't ever want that feeling again. I don't want that to happen again. So I'm going to do more to make sure it doesn't. Make sure it doesn't happen again. Love it. As a uh, professional um, athlete, obviously outside of the actual skill of being good at basketball, what do you think is probably one of the most important aspects of, of being able to have like a long professional career? Uh, well, obviously you've got to take care of your body. That's, that's number one. You can't, you know, you can't play if you can't get on the court. So, um, I know when I was younger and probably until you're 24, 25, you, you don't have to look after your body as much because you can, you can play back to back games. You can eat whatever you want. It doesn't affect you when you start getting a little bit older and later in your career, like the stuff that builds up and it does affect you. So you, you definitely have to look after your body. That's, that's, that's prime time. Um, for me, like I've always been pretty smart. Like I've never relied on athleticism or speed really besides my first few years to, to, to play a game. I feel like I can outthink people. So when it comes to scout, knowing who you're playing against, what they like to do, tendencies, um, who are the best shooters, what offense do they run? Um, if you don't naturally know how to do that, you need to spend time and, and watch video and talk to a coach so that, you know, if you're guarding Chris Gilding, you know which way he wants to dribble the ball or how he likes to shoot the shot. That'll get you a long, a long way into a career. Um, mm. Obviously, you know, I've always been a defender. I started out as a defender. Um, you just want to be someone you can re- rely on. Keep it, keep it simple. Do the right things. Just be solid on court. Um, obviously, some guys are flurry. Some guys take all the shots. But role players, just play your role. Know what you're good at. I talked to Damien Martin about the Perth Wildcats and you can't, you, you're brought to the club to do a job, mm-hmm. do that job. That's all you have to worry about. If you do your job, you're fine. You can add in some things. You can, you know, work on your other, other parts of your game. But if you don't come in and do your job that you're brought in to do, you play your role, you'll be gone. And, and I think that's why they've been so successful. They have guys come in and Greg Hyde just rebound the ball. Damien Martin just yeah. dog the ball. Defender. That's why they're so good. So they know that Bryce Cotton, Steiner, they're going to take the shots. Yeah. And you'll get some shots. But if you don't come in and play your role, then you know you know what we want. The teammates that you've had across the uh, throughout the years um, in the NBL, we'll break it up into import and then and then Aussie. Like, who are the two two best teammates that you've you've played with throughout the years? Oh, the imports has been some unbelievable players, um, both on and off the court. Like, obviously, Tory Craig, um, yeah, the Demon Nuggets was just in the uh, in the finals. Great guy on and off the court, like. Could who unbelievable um, basketball player, but just an all-round good guy off the court. Um, yeah. Ebby up back with the, the Bullets back in the day. Same thing, like all the time in the world for your um, for your teammates and whatever. But unbelievable player. There's been that many, like um, John Robertson from this year, one yeah. of the best point guards, just shooting the ball and and again a great guy off the court. Like I haven't had too many guys. There's been a couple, but not too many imports that are dickheads and you don't want, you don't want to spend any time with. Um, they're probably three, and I know I'm missing a bunch because I play with a lot. Um, Dante Smith back with the, the South Dragons was unbelievable. Ex-Kind of Atlanta Hawk NBA player. Yeah. And then Aussies, um, CJ Bruton's always been a kind of a mentor and someone, one I, I used to watch, um, played against him and then got to play with him and just... As That's a point awesome. guard, play for the national team. Great for the team, like making sure you're happy and, you know, Sammy Mack got a shot or a touch and just to keep everyone up and about, but then could just come in and just take over a game with three shots and um, still keep in contact with him. 
um, Joe Ingles, uh, yeah. Mika Bikona and Dylan Boucher are two of my favourites, um, both Kiwis, but won championships with both them at Brisbane and the Dragons were just two guys that don't care about himself, pass up open shots and get someone else a shot, um, just all about everyone else. Um, those two guys, I always say like Dylan Bouch is one of the best teammates because being a point guard, he's a foreman. The way he comes and helps you, like if you get beat, you know, he's there. Just stuff like that, um, it's hard to find. And teams that win, I think, have good foremen. Uh, yeah. Like the Perth Wildcats with Nick Kay, you know, yeah. Nick Bacona with New Zealand, um, Sean Redditch, like good foremen, uh, uh, I think, are the reason why you win championships. It's unreal. You played some pretty with some pretty incredible players. And I know I'm missing a whole bunch of players too. Yeah, I'm hopeful they hear it. Um, <laughs> what's uh, and now on the other side of that, who who has been? I mean, hopefully your coach doesn't listen to this if he's not the the answer here. But who who has been probably the best coach that you've that you've played under, and why? Like, there, was there a reason why that you found them as to be such a good coach? Not only to you, but to everybody on on the team. Uh, Joey, no question, Joey Wright. I, I mean, I had Brian Gorgian. I only had him for one year, unfortunately. I think he's probably going to go down as one of the best coaches to ever coach um, in Australia. Yeah. But me personally, Joey Wright, hands down. I had him for nine out of, what, 15 or 16 years now. Had him my first ever year. Like um, My first ever coach was him. Um, he just, one, he gets you better as an individual. Um, helped my shot build my confidence um you play hard and you play for him like the amount of the amount of players that are very average players that he's turned into 100 200 whatever nbl game players is phenomenal and the good thing about him is and he's not everyone's cup of tea a lot of a lot of people probably won't like him you see him from the outside you see him yelling and screaming and yeah all this stuff but he, he will spend just as much time with the superstar as he will a development player if you're a training kid you come and watch you come and be a part of the group he'll if you need to shoot or if you want to do an individual after practice for an hour he spends just as much time with the main guys as the other guys and if you're not playing hard you, you have the right to start if you're a starter if you're not playing well the guy on the bench is he's playing for the rest of the game again next game you'll start play your role you do whatever you do you play well you, you keep your minutes but he rewards people that work hard and and that's what i love about him that's awesome Mate, just to uh, just before we wrap up, obviously um, Phoenix last year in in the first year started off extremely well and um, and, and things are looking really good. And I mean, all in all, like it, it it was a very good year. Dropped off towards the end, but how do you see things going um, moving forward, in, or especially in in the next season, anyway? Yeah, for a first club, I mean, I think that was always going to happen. Like, yeah. I, I don't think we, anyone expected to start five and zero and whatever and have that yeah. start of the season drop-offs, a brand new club, brand new players, whatever. I think their success at the start was just based around how the team was put together, behind the scenes, everything. Like, that's one of the most professional clubs I've played for and it was our first year there. Um, so that says a lot about what they've done behind the scenes. But um, great start, what we've done in the community, um, definitely a tick as far as the club's concerned. Obviously, the drop-offs, some injuries, not the right personnel. All that comes into play with a brand new team. Obviously, we've got some changes um, now. Like Cam Glidden and Ruben Trang have come from Brisbane, who I think were underused last year. Unbelievable players that were slot right into our culture and how we want to play. Um, we've still got some pieces to, to bring in with the import point guard and probably a big guy, but all things shaping up well. Um, you know, Creaky had a great year. Hopefully, he has another great year. Um, motivation to go elsewhere will, you know, hopefully get him 
um, and us firing. But yeah, I think we'll get the right pieces in uh, yep. personnel wise. And um, as long as we get the right imports, I think we'll be tough. Unreal, man. Well, Gibbo, thanks for, thanks for joining the show today, mate. Um, appreciate your time. Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Good luck for the, the season ahead, mate. I appreciate it. Stay safe in COVID, mate. Uh, one day soon we'll get out and about. And we'll, uh, Bloody oath, we'll, we'll catch up. Bloody oath. Guys, thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you've, uh, if you've enjoyed the episode, which I'm sure you have, please do take a screenshot for me and tag uh, myself and Gibbo up on your Instagram story. We'd love to get some feedback on the episode. Um, Gibbo, thanks again, mate. And everybody who's tuned in, thank you very much for listening and we'll chat to you in the next show.